0: You're listening to the New Hope Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about New Hope, including our service times and events, please visit newhopebc.org. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rhys Denner. Uh, Matthew 14, verse 13, I'm going to speak about the feeding of the 5,000 from our series Here on Earth. Very often, as a church, we'll look through Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, but of course that's... um, four chapters out of 929 chapters in the New Testament, most of which talk about Jesus being here on earth in some way, and so we don't limit ourselves to understanding the incarnation just by those four chapters, but we can actually look at all the Gospels that show us the Son of God on earth. So Matthew 14, verse 13, here we go. Let's read the Bible together. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowd followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied and notice that Jesus completely contradicts them now Jesus replied they do not need to go away you give them something to eat and they reply by saying we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish they answered bring them here to me he said and he directed the people to sit down on the grass taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven he gave thanks and broke the loaves then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over and by the way that's the number of Um, the 12 tribes of Israel, Louise was just saying to me how how good that each one of the disciples could see their own basket, that God had filled their basket. I like that personal word. Verse 21, finally, the number of those who ate was, tell me how many it was, everyone? 5,000 men. Think about that. 5,000 men besides... Women and children, which we would expect to be a multiplied number, amen. And so to the reading of God's word, enthusiastically, everybody say, amen. amen. So yeah, this is a series about Jesus being here on earth. I love the hymn, Once in Royal David's City. I don't know if you know that song, but in the British carol services, they usually begin with a child singing that opening line. Isn't that a beautiful phrase, once in Royal David's city and there's a line that goes he came down to earth from heaven who is God and Lord of all we see that in this passage here Jesus is on earth and verse 13 we see Jesus alone and then Jesus with crowds Jesus with the father and then verse 14 Jesus compassionately with the crowds. I want to say this. The key to the life of Jesus is the life of Jesus. The key to the life of Jesus is who he is as the one who came down from heaven. Jesus is also a man of prayer. He spends time with the Father. He gets his guidance from, from the Father, but then he ministers in the power of the Holy Spirit. I sometimes illustrate it like a golf swing. There's a sense in which we move in to our relationship with God, we move into our devotional life and our study, but we also go out as well. We swing out into ministry as well. There's a balance. If you just have a backswing, you're not gonna hit the ball. If you just do a Bible study, and we want you to do Bible studies, if you just come to church, and we want you to come to church, but if it never goes out into ministry to others, you don't have a game going. And so verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, you'll see that he's moving from this time with the Father to engaging with this large crowd and he has compassion on them and healed the sick. So friend, there comes a time after your quiet time, and I hope you have a quiet time every day, after your worship time, after your your, your CD that you're playing in the car, or you're listening on Spotify, or after your, your, your devotional that you've read, there comes a point when we also have to make sure that we invest in others as well. We step out of the place of quiet and renewal and we minister to others. Somebody say amen to that. And so that's what Jesus is doing. The ministry is going. It's full on Jesus with no dilution or dissipation of power. Whatsoever, I think you and I would agree that though we can minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're hoping there'll be no dilution or or dissipation of power. But I think from time to time, you'll know, we might say, well, I did that in my own strength. Uh, I didn't obey the Lord exactly the way he wanted me to do it. And we know there are days like that. And yet God does want to move in full power, the power of Jesus Christ through every one of us and through our church. Amen. That's what we're longing for. And, and so Jesus is doing a beautiful thing here, compassionately ministering to the people, and then the disciples try and shut it all down. Did you know that? Look at verse 15. It's actually very stark here. As evening approached, the disciples came to him. Now, I wonder which of the disciples, was it all the disciples, or did they send, did they send Al or Tony? It's like, go on, go on, you... You you, you tell him. It's almost like they're having a little conference, but it's it's from all the disciples. Somebody speaks up, and they they say, "Um, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And I heard Pastor Robert Morris from Dallas speak about this passage, now these are my words, but he kind of inspired this thought when I, he helped me think about this. It's almost like they're saying this Jesus, you know, this is a wonderful day's ministry. Uh, with, with their best southern accent, they say, I love this time of ministry. It really touched my heart. We're so blessed. Jesus, this was one of your best days, and they're all good. Jesus, I don't mean to, you know, criticize or, or cut across what God is doing, but have you noticed the crowds, dear master? We're in the middle of nowhere, and it's late. You know, Are you aware of the time, O oh Creator, of all time? Uh, Lord, we appreciate what you're doing, but I think it's time for us to just wrap it up. I mean, all the best restaurants are closed. We're down to Subway and Racetrack. And there's a Piggly Wiggly down in Bethsaida, but that's, I hear that's not what it used to be. So send them away and so if verse 21 tells us there were 5,000 men it's suggested by most scholars that this vast crowd may have been somewhere between 20 or 30,000 people send them away time to wrap it up send send them off isn't that great when we tell Jesus what to do isn't it great when we advise Jesus about our provision don't we do that we we, we tell God what we need well we, we should we can come to him with our needs but isn't it awesome when we tell God exactly what he should be doing and so how does Jesus reply verse 16 he replied they don't need to go away he doesn't agree with that statement at all they don't need to go away and here's the next bit I know he goes better idea you give them something to eat it's only 30,000 people you do it you feed them you guys you want the provision to come I've already provided for you I um, had the privilege of playing, I told you the golf story the other day, I um, had the privilege of um, playing at the Augusta National Golf Club a number of years ago where, where the U.S. Masters is played. And um, I got an inside scoop from the member that we played with, so don't tell anyone I told you this story, is that okay? But there was a new member of the Augusta National many, many years ago, and he went to, to Mr. Roberts, who is the legendary co-founder with Bobby Jones, and said, you know, Mr. Roberts, there's an outbuilding that's kind of not up to the usual standard of Augusta National. You know, it's kind of looking a little bit shabby, a little bit bit tatty. So we told Mr. Roberts about that. Mr. Roberts said thank you, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And so Mr. Roberts went ahead and he uh, built a brand new hut and sent the member the new member a check for 200 uh, a bill for $250,000. I think Mr. Roberts knew that the new member could probably afford that along the way but I think we sometimes do that like I'd like to make a suggestion let's send them away and Jesus says actually um, you've already got the resources Uh, what's the church doing about this? Some of our leaders if you ask that question they'll sometimes say "Oh." Is that something you're willing to give leadership to? We'll often ask, well, do you aware of what we're already doing in that particular area? But I think sometimes we say, somebody needs to do that. And it's like, well, maybe that somebody is the one who's got a burden for that. Uh, uh, How are we going to get the money for this, the church ought to give? Well, maybe there's a a deacon in our church that used to say very politely, well, well, you can write a check. Praise the Lord. Verse 17, but, 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 and this is, see yourself in, just mention that illustration. See ourselves now in verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two. Don't you realize we've just got five and two. That's like there's more protein in a six Chick-fil-A nuggets box than what we got here. That, that's all we got. As if the creator of the universe didn't already know that. The miracle is actually connected with what's already available to them. God has already provided, and he wants to multiply. So here's my first point, verse one. The miracle starts when we release what we have, and we trust God. What do you have? What do you have? It's only five loaves of bread and two fish. It's already in your hands, but the miracle starts when we start stop going like, well, this is all I've got, and we release that, and we see what God will do. Jesus clearly loves to invite his disciples in his miracles he can work a miracle at any point but I love it the way that he involves them in the miracle do you remember the miraculous catch of fish that we looked at last week Peter says well we fished all night but because you say so I'm going to drop my feelings I'm going to drop my experience I'm going to drop my expertise and I'm going to trust you Jesus because you know all things I will release that to you so Jesus says verse 18 bring them here to me first of all the miracle starts when we release what we have secondly the miracle starts when we recognize Jesus to be the source of everything bring them to me we release and we recognize that this is all about the Lord and so as part of our worship pastor Al and as pastor Zeke sings for us as well musicians play pastor al's gonna remind us as we come forward that this is part of our worship this is who we are and it's a beautiful moment in the life of the church when we gather together i'll tell you what it's very tempting sometimes when you walk by and bring your gifts to go but down the aisle you know what i think i'll just keep walking straight to the car we'd love it if you just kind of go back to your seat and we can just wrap it up wrap it up together uh, in unity and we're going to finish in our usual time frame along the way but notice that this is about Jesus I've got to tell you this story there was a man called Zacchaeus and he was terrible with money he was terrible with money in the sense that he was greedy he did nothing with it except care for himself he was a selfish man nobody liked him everyone knew that he was really pretty corrupt he was like a corrupt official and uh, he was just on the make for himself and then Jesus came to town and do you remember the story? He was, he, was, um, he was a fairly short guy so he climbs up a tree and sees Jesus and Jesus says, you know something? Um, we're going to have fellowship today. And so uh, just that encounter with Jesus began to change his life. And can I tell you how Jesus knew that salvation has come to that house? What Zacchaeus says was basically everything I've ever, st- ever taken illegally, everything I've ever stolen, which is basically everything he had, everything I've stolen, I'm going to pay it back. And i give some more, multiple times, and then Jesus goes, today salvation has come to this house uh, for the Son of Man, came to seek and save the lost. And I would say, if you wanna follow Jesus, it's gonna involve every part of your life. We sing a song, or we've sung a song many times, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to to thee. And I just wanna say, if you wanna follow Jesus, We don't just say a quick prayer, gets you to heaven, end of the story. It's like you have to give your whole life to Jesus and that may begin with a quick prayer. But you follow through into all of your life being surrendered to Jesus. So I want us to encourage this is all about Jesus. The I love my church offering is all about Jesus. I'm not saying if you give a good gift to I love my church that that will save you. You don't buy your way into heaven. We get to heaven through the blood of Jesus. Amen. But if you have received the blood of Jesus then you'll surely want your life to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And don't we live in an era when we need a fully funded church to be able to do the mission that God has called us to. And as we're bouncing back after all the craziness the last three years. I thank God for you. I thank God for faithfulness for this church, children, students, men and women, boys and girls, young and old, this intergenerational, gosh, very diverse community. Not many churches look like this. Can we give God praise for who we are in the name of Jesus? The miracle starts when we recognize Jesus. Um, I'd love to tell a story, and I, I tell this from time to time, but hey, let, let me be just honest with you. When we began in ministry, my first ministry wage was £5,000 a year, which is $6,000. Uh, our home cost us 3500 Things are very expensive in the UK, cost us $3,500. So we couldn't afford meat except once a week. Louise got us a piece of chicken. We would go to, to our parents as much as we could, as you do, and uh, we, could, we, we got this nice pizza on a Friday night. Our special treat was a Friday night pizza for two ninety nine. dollars We had to pick the tin foil sometimes out of the cheese, didn't we? But it didn't matter. We were getting pizza. It was a big treat for us, but we knew that God had called us to tithe, which meant to give 10% gross and so you can know that we understood that the minimum of the the tithe of that 5,000 a year would be 500 a year we would divide that by 12 and pay it through the bank and we noticed the bank never forgot but then of course comes the offering that then comes the offering and um, so so you, you bring the first 10% and then I believe that the multiplication blessing especially comes from what we give in the offering and I've got to tell you a story that um, I, I, I got saved went along to church at Tinmouth. we went away to theological college in London that's where we met Louise got her degree before me she's a little older than me See, so just i tell you about that but you'd never know and uh, you'd never know you'd never know but uh, probably uh, I should probably stick to my notes shouldn't I and, uh, amen. Thank you, thank you. And so she finished first. And so, but then we get married. We go back to my home church, and a couple of senior pastors moved on. So 25, I ended up being like the sole pastor of a church of three or four hundred folks. It was a great blessing, and it was a church that was greatly blessed. Around the time we were getting saved, many people came to know the law. The church grew from 40 to 400, which in Britain's like a mega church. It was beautiful to see what God did. Just it, it uh, shaped my life very significantly but I would say there was one area where we had not seen superabundance. there was huge love and compassion and service not so much in terms of the windows of heaven opening up in the financial area hence they were paying their pastor 5,000 pounds a year and it wasn't about that but uh, I started to teach the church tithing now the great man of faith George Muller had actually been one of the pastors of the Ebenezer Baptist in Tynmouth Uh, he left town Church closed down. Years later, they founded Timothy Baptist. So, one of my sort of forebears was one of the greatest men of faith in history. Who's ever heard of George Muller? Give me away. So many have heard of him. And so, but we'd never really seen that superabundance financially. So I started teaching the church more directly about tithing than perhaps the church had experienced for a while, and we started seeing the giving growing, and that gave us a little bit of confidence. And Of course, we were trying to model it, and then we suddenly realised that. The community we're in, the church needed a minibus. So I said, we're going to have a gift day. And everyone said, well, what's a gift day? I said, I don't know. I've never done one, but we're going to have a gift day. And at the end of the day, the church had raised enough money to buy a brand new minibus. And I think that would be a bit like our church and all our campuses buying 10 minibuses. And that gave us great encouragement. And then we suddenly realized that some of our buildings were falling down. So the next year, we built a new four-story building. And by the end of the year, it was all paid for. And that, I know, has blessed the church the last 30 years and I believe as we moved into the tithe and then we started giving our gifts beyond the tithe that there was an extra blessing that really came upon the church and I thought you'd like to hear that story it encourages me and and I hope it can encourage you as well Jesus said bring them to me the reason that we felt freedom to do that and confidence and I wasn't embarrassed to ask the church to do that is because I'm following Jesus Take my life and let it be consecrated, law to me. It's the same spirit that came upon Zacchaeus. It's the same spirit that came upon the widow who gave her might But the same challenge came to a rich young ruler. And maybe there's a young man here today, and you you could just think it's possible that you could respond like him. And I warn you against this. But Jesus was very said, "Look, you, you got a very impressive resume." You you, you know all of what the commands are. So Jesus said, there's only one thing you lack. All you've got to do is sell everything you have give it away to the poor follow me and you will have treasure in heaven and the young man went away sad he's like he he probably went away a little bit angry as well well i went to jesus i wanted i just wanted some spiritual advice and all he told me to do was give everything away i don't like this jesus but i'm gonna say friends when you're baptized i got my wallet here or my whatever you call it this thing here it's got a couple of cards in here whatever when you get baptized you don't do this you don't hold it out the water, but every every part of you is baptized. Amen. So I want to encourage you on that one. That we release, we recognize Jesus to our experienced givers, to our champions of faith, to those who have been a big part of, of building this church. I thank God for you, and I know you'll be saying amen to this last principle. And we're going to come to that exciting moment in the service where we give our gifts. Stay in the seats for a bit longer and just celebrate together. Matthew 14, verse 19, I want us to read finally. And the first three words really strike me. And he directed, everyone say directed. He directed the people to sit down on the grass. You know, when you're obeying God, you gotta do what Jesus says. He directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, it's being released, it's recognized Jesus. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. he gave them to, to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. What are we saying? The miracle starts when we release what we have. The miracle starts when we recognize Jesus to be the source of everything and when the miracle is happening stay under his direction. Be responsible. Now our granddaughter was, listens to the to the sermon at uh, the South Campus. She sits next to Louise in the second service. And uh, Louise, what does she say to you? You gave me a little bit of feedback. What does she say about responsible? She's learned already, her parents have taught us that responsible means I trust you. I trust you. Jesus entrusted this miracle into the hands of, of the disciples yes it's entirely a miracle of what only God can do what only only Jesus can do but it's a beautiful story that draws you and I into the story as well it's a miracle that Jesus worked through disciples who were saying send them all away it's late here and now they tentatively step forward and they, we've got five loaves and two fish give it to me thank you Lord thank you Heavenly Father for all your provision now make the people sit down We've got to be responsible. Now the word responsible can sound like I'm going to be sensible and not give anything because that's like sensible, right? But it was not sensible to multiply. It was sensible to send everybody away. This is a different kind of sense. This is a responsibility to God. It's being responsive to God. Jesus directed them and look what happened. Now all four Gospels have this wonderful story. You may have heard that before. It's the only one of the miracles well, of course, along with the resurrection, the only one of the miracles, those kinds of miracles that is mentioned in all four Gospels. And in some of the other Gospels, there's a real recognition of groups. And by the way, I'm a groups guy. I love that we meet in groups. And Pastor Al always gives a shout out for our groups. But can I just ask, if you're involved in a family group, would you praise the Lord? Give give God praise if you're involved. That's awesome. That's about 85% of our church. And we'd love... We'd love the other 15% to feel part of that. And even this morning, if you want to be in a group, the Lord may even be directing you to to, to go to our next Steps desk and say, sign me up for a family group. I need the community. I need the fellowship. But Jesus sat them down in, in groups of 50. This is a story of multiplication. And I believe that God will give us as many as we can look after. And so we need to love each other and care for each other and minister and reach more for Jesus as well. And so they sat down and they just found themselves. This is the bit that we don't know about. They just found themselves eating bread and fish. They just found themselves getting fuller and fuller. And then verse 20, they all ate. That's about 25,000 people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. It's not enough just to rejoice in the miracle past, but it's right for us to step into the same miracle, God, and say, God, involve me. Lord, I want to release it. God, I want to recognize Jesus and worship you, and I want to be responsible. I want to be obedient to what you're saying. So can I just pray for us right now as the music plays, and Pastor Al will be up in a moment. Can I just pray? Oh, I've got a story to tell. I've got one more story to tell you. Is that okay? You're going to love this story. Is that all right? Tim, why don't we just stretch our legs? Stand up. I just want to speak this to you, and then Pastor Al will come up. Just stretch your legs. Stand up. Let me just tell you the story you can put the bible to the side. i've got to tell you this story which i think illustrates what we've just read as our musicians come and get ready and i, I tell the story and then pray and pastor Al's going to come up anyway a friend of mine I, um a friend of mine passes an enormous church actually he's handed over to someone else an enormous church it's what i call an intergalactic mega church um, they had 57,000 people at Easter uh, last time a so great great church and we've over the last 16 years We meet at this particular conference that may or may not involve a little bit of golf And so we, we've met each other and at strategic times in our life He's been able to share something that was so helpful to me And I've been able to share a couple of things with him as well apparently But he, he told me a story and I got to tell you this because it just so beautifully illustrates uh, what, we're, what we're talking about and yeah, you can p- play some gentle music as well uh, while, while we're talking but, um, yeah, anyway, he told me this story. And basically, um, his church was planting campuses. And, you know, 95% of new campuses come from people from other churches. I don't know if you know that. And so, so um, and that's obviously not how it's supposed to operate, but it does. And um, so thank you for the music. That's awesome. Just a little background. Sounds beautiful. And um, anyway, so they realized they made a mistake in relationship to another church and they sort of overstepped their bounds they didn't communicate and they hurt a smaller church anyway the pastor of the smaller church took the high road and gave a small gift to my pastor friend who was leading the intergalactic megachurch. and a number of years later my friend gets on the plane and because he's part of an intergalactic megachurch, he turned to the left of the plane if you know what i'm talking about and and just as he was talking that way the pastor of the smaller church saw him and said out his name. And he said, thank you for what you're doing in the community. Anyway, my pastor friend sat down. There was another story taking place. A member of the church said, Pastor Dave, here's a million dollars. I want you to give a million dollars to any cause that you see fit. Pastor Dave sat down, prompting the Spirit, opened up the laptop. He'd already dispersed $900,000 of gifts. He had $100,000 left. And then he knew what to do. So he gets out the plane. Of course, he's, he's first gets off the plane, waits for the small church pastor to to arrive and um, he's off the plane and he says, Pastor, good to see you again. I just want to tell you, I've got a gift for you for $100,000. And pastor from the smaller church starts weeping and weeping and the people are walking by close by on the plane. My, my past friend said like, he's, he's really weeping. He's like sobbing. And, and people, and, and my past friend goes, it's alright everybody? This is a good cry? It, it, it's a happy, these are happy tears? He told 300 people. Happy tears, happy tears, happy tears. And uh, embrace the pastor who had given a gift it turns out and Dave, my friend, didn't know this but he had given a gift of $1,000 few years later God gave a hundred thousand dollars back we have a doctrine of suffering in the church that doesn't mean we don't believe like you give to get we actually believe that you get to give you don't give to get but you get to give amen that's what we teach and so and, and yet we cannot deny that when we get to give that God just supernaturally pours out his blessing upon us Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe to hear more encouraging podcasts from New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at newhopebc.org.